Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Cage Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 179 for the October 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog from page one, right up here at the very front. They're highlighting Batman Spawn number one. Being described as the event of the decade, Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo reunite for Batman Spawn. I know at least Dr. Moe is going to record on this, so I won't bore everybody by reading the short little description here or any of the details. Just suffice to say, it's a one-shot for $6.99, 48 pages, and it's Batman and it's Spawn. And it's Greg Capullo and it's Todd McFarlane. Got really a lot of room for error there, and if you've read any of the the previous two crossovers between these characters, there actually is some continuity there, I believe. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of pay off a few things or, or tie into this kind of a ongoing threads between those two characters in an interesting way. But I'm just happy enough to see Greg Capullo back on art and, and see what the, the creative team here has cooked up. Hey everyone, Chris Brawley again with my picks for this month. And for my first pick, I'm in the DC Connect. 
I'm a sucker for an exciting comic company crossover anytime. And these kinds of team-ups, though, have been watered down in the last few years, I would say. But I've always thought this particular team-up was worth visiting. It is on page one of this month's DC Connect. I know you know what I'm talking about. It's Spawn and Batman. Now, this team-up has been in the works for years. The last time they teamed up, though, was 28 years ago. Oh, my gosh, how time flies. Coming out December 13th. We will see the villainous Gotham City Secret Society, the Court of Owls, using Spawn as a weapon in their war against Batman. Now, I think it's safe to say that this isn't exactly how the story was originally conceived back when this crossover was first announced, mostly because I don't think the Court of Owls even existed back then. In addition to this new crossover, DC is planning to publish Batman Spawn the Classic Collection, which collects those two 1994 one-shots, the Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane spawn Batman number one alongside Chuck Dixon, Alan Grant, Doug Monkey, and Klaus Janssen's Batman spawn War Devil one, which I didn't really care for as much as the uh, McFarlane-Frank Miller tale. Those will be in one volume. I kind of wish that that was coming out along with this new one-shot that has Greg Capullo art, which looks awesome, by the way. I kind of wish they would hold off and do these all as one collection because this is just going to be another one shot. Uh, Maybe they will eventually, but uh, that classic collection comes out November 15th, a full month in advance. Uh, Again, uh, it's um, Todd McFarlane writing, Greg Capullo on art, which looks awesome. I know there's plenty of variant covers for this, as expected, Uh, but you can check it all out on page one, two, three, four. I know it starts on page one of this month's DC Connect. Batman Spawn number one, one shot from DC Comics. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Batman Spawn number one. yippee ki the 90s are back, baby, as DC continues to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Image Comics. And what better way to celebrate than to team up two of the darkest characters that both publishers produce monthly comics about, Batman and Spawn. Now, if you were reading back in the 90s, you will remember that DC and Image teamed up with two previous Batman and Spawn crossovers. One was Spawn Batman, which was written by Frank Miller and drawn by Todd McFarlane. The second was Batman Spawn War Child. And if I remember correctly, it was written by Doug Minch and Chuck Dixon with art. I believe it was about Klaus Jansen. Now, Here's the thing about this. We've got a bit of a twist going on with Batman Spawn 2022 in that Todd McFarlane is now writing. He is also providing one of the many variant covers that we're getting for this and that Greg Capullo is drawing this book. And it's going to look fabulous, if anything else. The plot can be just so over the top and ridiculous that it's not going to matter because Capullo is a master of drawing both Batman and Spawn. He had lengthy runs with both characters. And I expect I'm, I'm to have some Easter eggs or some callbacks to the original series. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we get appearances by supporting cast members from both titles. Solicitation text really doesn't say much. Preview pages, they don't spoil anything. It just looks fabulous. This book is one for old school fans, particularly old school image fans, fans of Capullo, fans of McFarlane. You you name your pick. I, I have to say this is probably one of the probably the book I am looking forward to most in the month of December. So Batman Spawn for the regular edition costs six ninety nine is forty eight pages. There's as I mentioned previously, there are a slew of variant covers. You've got a one and twenty five, you got a one and fifty, one and one hundred, one and two fifty a couple one and six six sixes and a one and one thousand. There's going to be plenty of copies out here. Go ahead, talk to your LCS about getting this. Batman Spawn can be found on page one of DC Connect. And again, costs six ninety is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 8. It is Batman vs. Robin, number 4, listed as being uh, $5.99, 48 pages, 4 of 5, written by Mark Wade and art by Mahmoud Asrar. And ordinarily, I wouldn't even highlight this kind of a book. My, my LCS actually gave me the first issue, and I haven't read it, but I was very intrigued as I was preparing the recording here to see that Batman versus Robin number four, as kind of alluded here in the, the text, is being used as a launching point for something bigger, coming with Mark Wade that you will uh, start to pick up on here in some of the solicitations this month. But it says, as the final battle erupts between Batman and Robin at the heart of Lazarus Island, a strange tremor rocks the combatants to their senses. This isn't an island at all. It's a volcano with the devil Neza pulling the strings and unbelievable transformative power about to explode out into the world, our heroes have no choice but to do the unthinkable. Fall back. A battle between father and son goes global as the Earth enters into the Lazarus planet. And so, new details are coming out, and I won't get into all of them here, but just suffice it to say that Mark Wade is about to lead the DC Universe into some crazy fun, hopefully fun, over the next few months to start uh, 2023. And so this is sort of a launching point for what will probably come out of that event. And I'm sure a lot more of that will uh, get, get finalized in Batman versus Robin number five. And also, however, Dark Crisis ends up wrapping up. So if you can afford to $5.99 for this kind of a book, do check it out. Otherwise, stay tuned for the uh, lead in to what event is coming up here in the near future. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 11. It's Detective Comics number 1067, and uh, this is written by Ram V, art by Ivan Reese. I, I don't remember how his name is actually pronounced, but I think that's how most people say it. It's a 40-page book, $4.99. It's a main story with a backup. But what's got me really intrigued here is the fact that we've got Mr. Freeze on the cover, and the solicitation goes on to kind of some of the ongoing stuff. But basically, if you have 
Mr. Freeze in the cover and a mention of uh, Werewolf and Two-Face and all kinds of things down in the description. To me, sounds like it's going to be a good Batman story, personally. Check it out on sale December 27th, 2022. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 14 with Batman Superman, World's Finest Number 10, written by Mark Wade. Art and cover by Dan Mora, and this is the cover I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Dan Schoening, and a 1 in 25 variant cover is done by Brandon Peterson, with a 1 in 50 variant cover by A.L. Kaplan, and a holiday variant cover by Dan Mora. The cover price for the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale December 20th. The deadly duo of the Joker and the Key have twisted the increasingly powerful Boy Thunder into a walking time bomb of destructive power. Batman and Superman's quest to guide young David toward the light takes an unexpected turn when the Teen Titans learn of the dark secret he's been hiding from the world's finest. The Titans issue their ultimatum, tell Superman and Batman... Or they will. I've enjoyed the previous issues of this series, which I picked up because growing up in the Silver Age, I was a fan of the original World's Finest series, and I haven't been disappointed. Writer Mark Wade respects continuity, and he doesn't try to undo any previous writer's continuity, but he does a great job of adding to the great continuity of two of my favorite heroes, Batman and Superman. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is also on page 14 with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 18. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Cian Torme and Ruari Coleman. The main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Simone DeMeo, a 1 in 25 variant cover by Nathan Zderski, a DC holiday card variant cover is done by Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair. The regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the variant cardstock covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to go on sale December 13th. Kal-El Returns Part 6, The Rise of Red Sin. With the landmark Action Comics 1050 just around the corner, prepare for the ultimate battle between Superman and Lex Luthor as Clark and John continue their intensive training. But will it be enough to overcome the mysterious new villain calling themselves Red Sin? I've enjoyed this series as I watch John take his father's mantle and become his own Man of Steel and not just try to copy what his father did. I'm curious how long this series will continue with Superman returning to Earth, since we've always had a series titled Superman to go along with Action Comics, but I'll be getting this series as long as it continues. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on the very next page, number 15, with Action Comics number 1050, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, 
Tom Taylor and Joshua Williamson. Art by Mike Perkins, Clayton Henry, and Nick Dragota. The main cover is by Stephen Beach, which is the one I'll be getting. And there's a slew of variant covers by Jim Lee, Alex Ross, Megan Huang, Crystal Kung, Lee Weeks, John Jiang, Reza, Gabrielle Delato, Mike Perkins, Raleigh Rosmo, Dan Parent, Steve Lieber, Simone DeMeo, Pamela Hoogsboom, Nathan Zadursky, and Rafael Sarmento. A 1 in 25 variant cover is done by John Boy Myers. A 1 in 50 variant cover is done by Al Barian Wavo. A 1 in 75 wraparound variant cover by Alexander Lozano. A 1 in 100 variant cover by Steve Rude. A 1 in 250 variant cover by Michael Allred. And I would be tempted to get that one or by the one by Steve Rude. A 1 in 500 variant cover by Ariel Colon. A 1 in 1050 inks variant cover by Jim Lee, and a foil variant cover by Alex Ross, a team trading card variant cover by various DC artists, a holiday card variant cover by Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair. The cover price of the regular edition is $5.99 for 48 pages, with the cardstock variant covers priced at $6.99, and this is scheduled to go on sale December 27th. The dark crisis is over, and a new dawn shines on the DCU. In the wake of cataclysmic battles with Mongol, Henry Bendix, and Pariah's dark army, Kal-El is back on Earth and here to stay. And the people of our planet are ready to look up, up, and away into a brighter tomorrow. Well, most of the people. Clark Kent's reunion with Lois and his son John Kent proves fleeting when strikes the ultimate attack from Superman's greatest adversary, Lex Luthor. But this time, something is different. Luthor has stolen something from Clark's life, something so important that it will change the very planet itself. If you think you've seen the biggest battle between Superman and Lex Luthor, think again. This clash will rock the course of their lives forever, and it's only the beginning. Two years' worth of Superman stories come to a head in this oversized anniversary issue with all-star talent that launches Superman and the DCU into an exciting new era. So finally, come the end of December, we'll all get to read Action Comics 1050. The War World Saga was a really great Superman story, and I'm anxious to see what's going to happen after this issue is published. I'm curious to see what the future holds for Superman and the DC Universe. Hey, this is James with my first pick in the DC Supplemental, and I'm over on page 18 where we have Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number 7, which is also called Dawn of the DCU. Some other people are calling out the Dark Crisis Big Bang number 1 on the next page. That gives me a little more hope because it's written by Mark Wade. But this one is Joshua Williamson that's writing. He he wrote the main event. And the art is by Daniel Sampier and Alejandro Sanchez. So this is the dawn of the DCU. So the changes that came about because of the dark crisis, which was a crisis that to me, it, just in my opinion, I don't understand what, what the crisis was because they're like, hey, we're bringing back the multiverse or multiple multiverses. And I never thought they went away. They're already there, so I don't know what we're bringing back, but that's what this whole event has been about, bringing back what was already there. But it says, the great darkness is defeated. 
but the final war was only just begun between the remaining heroes and Deathstroke's Dark Army. And Deathstroke basically in the event became all-powerful and was reading the dark, beating the Dark Army. But, all right, who will be left standing? The Justice League and the Infinite Earths have returned. Once again, they weren't gone, but they returned. But at what cost? Do not miss the shocking conclusion that launches the DCU into 2023, which is in the next page, which gives me hope because that one's coming out and it's leading to Mark Wade writing and kicking off. That's the right person to write this thing. A new direction for the DC universe, which I hope is going to be good. I hope there's good things coming out of it because I was kind of just on a personal level, just getting tired. It, it was everyone and their brother and the last solicit writing just Batman books, you know, like two or three or six issue Batman stories. And, you know, when you're getting 10 of them at a, or 15 of them at a time, they just hold less weight. So I want to read a Batman book or two. I do not want to read 10. It's just, I'm feeling the same way about the mutants. I want to read, you know, three, maybe four mutant books. I do, I'm not going to read eight to 10 of them. I'm just, I'm just not anymore. So anyways, Dawn of the DCU, I'm going to read it. It's going to lead into the infinite, Universe is back, which is going to be Dark Crisis, Big Bang. But other people are calling out the Dark Crisis, Big Bang. So I thought I'd focus on the number seven, the the Dawn of DCU, the last issue. So let's hope for good things and on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the previews spotlight episode. It's Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number seven. Looks like 2022 is going to come to a resounding reboot in the DCU, question mark. According to the cover, we get a dawn of the DCU. The solicitation text also hints at, you know, some sort of reawakening in the DCU. We've got Nightwing, of all people, on the cover, you know, Harold seemingly to herald the start of this new DCU. Now, the reason why I think it's been ironic is that in at least two DC crossovers this century, there, there were rumors, if not flat out, Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, was was dead, or at least presumed dead. I mean, in Infinite Crisis, the rumor was that Dan Didio wanted. Nightwing gone. And if I remember correctly, I believe he did own up to that at some point. And in Forever Evil, Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, quote unquote, did die, which resulted in Dick Grayson having to get up, give up the Nightwing identity for a couple years and getting the Grayson title, which I did enjoy, Super Spy Dick Grayson, but I was equally excited when the character returned to the Nightwing persona. So I do find that it is interesting that this character is in this position on the cover. But if you have been reading Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, you will understand that this is probably well-earned. Joshua Williamson has been really building up steam on this series as it had progressed. I will say that I thought Justice League 75 should have been the zero issue for Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths because I think it would have had much more of an emotional impact, would have really shown that 
there was multiversal consequences, multiversal things at stake. Because if you didn't read uh, Justice League 75, or if you had forgotten the contents by the time you got to Dark Crisis, you know, you may have thought that first issue was a little underwhelming. But Joshua Williamson has stated in interviews that this is a love letter. It's a story about DC crisis events. And it really shows, given how he's he's playing with the relationships and so forth throughout this event. Daniel Samprey, and please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this artist's name. I really believe that this individual has stepped up their game, certainly drawing so many full play full page splashes, double page splashes with these with these characters, giving them individualized looks and facial features and so forth and body language. It's really wonderful thing to behold. One of the things that DC events has always suffered from, in my opinion, is, is that Crisis on Infinite Earths artistically always had such had set such a high bar thanks to George Perez, may he rest in peace, that crossover events since then have been trying to reach that scale, that level. And I'll be honest with you, some of them never even reached a fraction of that. But I will say that in Dark Crisis, the artwork is living up to the hype. And if anything, I think in some circumstances, it's even elevating the material. So if you've been on this ride, whether it was Infinite Frontier, Justice League, Incarnate, Joshua Williamson's run on, brief run on Batman, Joshua Williamson's work on Deathstroke, Inc., the aforementioned Justice League 75, you know, you really want to see this through to the end. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven can be found on page 18 of DC Connect. And the regular cover costs $5.99 and the cardstock variants cost $6.99. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 19. It is Dark Crisis Big Bang number one, written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Jurgens and others. And a handful of different covers here, but the main cover is just $3.99. For this 32 page one shot and as kind of alluded to before there's a lot of hints of new things beginning new new stories launching and i think this will be kind of a preview book basically of what mark wade is going to be doing in the dc universe here next year and to me that that's encouraging even these previews covers here for the different variants are like mashups between characters people you would think of being together people from alternate timelines and multiverses and else worlds and stuff like that. And to me, that's really where Mark Wade thrives is in the sort of infinite potential that the DC universe has. So here's what the solicitation says. After the monumental events of dark crisis on Earths number four, Pariah has successfully resurrected the infinite multiverse. Basically, we don't want to tell you what's coming and all of reality is still reeling from the event. Join Dr. Multiverse on a haunting journey through these newly reformed realities from the Jurassic League to DC Mech from Dark Knights of Steel to Batman 89 and back again in a guest star galore all-new epic by comics legend and 
Here's the important part. DC architect Mark Wade. So that's really the key here is this is setting up what Mark Wade's designs are, I think, for how the DC universe is going to play out this next year. As alluded to already in my one of my previous clips, the Lazarus Island is going to be adding kind of all sorts of new twists and powers and just things going on. I think that that's some of what we're going to get there as well. But this mention about different realities and things, I, I do think it's interesting that they're talking about books that are currently wrapping up, like Jurassic League, DC Mech, Dark Knights of Steel, things like that, you know, sort of being a, a part of what is going on in the DC universe. So check it out on sale December 13th, 2022. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 21. Really upset that I had missed last month, so I do apologize for not making it on with the contributions, but I really wanted to highlight the work that Jeff Johns has coming up, and so I just wanted to add some support to Justice Society of America number two coming out in December. It does say this is number two of 12, so this new golden age he's doing might just be, you know, about a year in length, but we'll see. Hopefully if it's successful, people will keep reading these and keep a lot of these properties going, but it's Justice Society of America with really the writer who um, has kind of defined that for a lot of people in recent memory, at least, and art and cover by Mikkel Janine, who always does a pretty nice job, and got to celebrate the fact that there's more JSA material coming out. So I'll let Dr. Mo handle the rest of it, but just suffice to say, the golden age continues. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Justice Society of America, number two. Jeff John's new golden age continues with the second issue and his triumphant return to the Justice Society property. Now, when I recorded a clip about Justice Society of America, number one, I naively hoped that this would be an ongoing series, but according to the solicitation text provided. This is a 12-part storyline. Now, that does not mean that this series will wrap at issue 12 because DC has extended other finite series before in, re in recent memory. I'm thinking about Swamp Thing and Poison Ivy, for instance. So I'm, I'm just going to hold out hope if Jeff Johns doesn't have the time, perhaps he can pass the baton off to another writer. He certainly worked with two other writers on Flashpoint Beyond, and I thought that worked out fairly well. Now, getting back to Justice Society of America number two, the cover for this issue features the Huntress, the Helmet of Fate. We got Jay Garrick Flash. We got Stargirl. We got Jakeem. And the Thunderbolt, we got Alan Scott and the female ver female versions of Wildcat and Dr. Midnight. Obviously, without having read the first issue, I really don't have the context to dissect this cover a bit more or the, the solicitation text. What I will say is that I hope this series continues for me is one of the critical aspects of the JSA 
which is that mix of the old guard and the new superheroes and them bouncing off each other and building and forming relationships. And because the majority of these characters rarely have an, another ongoing series, the creators are free to develop their character and take the time to allow readers to get to know those characters a bit more. I'm sure that Jeff Johns is thinking about all these things. He has clearly worked on this property before. It's a long time coming, and I'm hoping that he will do it justice, pun intended. Justice Society of America, number two of 12, can be found on page 21 of DC Connect, and the regular edition costs $3.99. Cardstock variant costs $4.99. This is Nick with another pick from the DC catalog. This time from page 24, it's Blue Beetle, Graduation Day, number two. And this is written by Josh Trujillo with art and cover by Adrian Gutierrez. $3.99, 32 pages. This is number two of six. They're just a little mini series going on for Blue Beetle. And it says, Introducing the Yellow Beetle, with a cover that looks like it's straight off of a uh, Power Rangers cover of recent years. You got a person here kind of holding him up over a trash heap. Anyway, Solicitation Texas. Jamie Reyes arrives in beautiful Palmera City for a gap year with his tias working at their restaurant. Those are his aunts. But Jamie's got another thing on his mind, like, who was that mysterious yellow beetle? And how are they connected to the Reach message that bombarded his scarab? Can Blue Beetle track down this new scarab? Or will this superheroing bring the full might of the Justice League down on Jamie? Couple interesting things here. First of all, I'm just happy that we've got something more than the thousandth iteration on what the Justice League might be or might be like if you did this, or competing versions of what the Justice League characters are doing, or the replacement versions of Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman going on. But we're actually just focusing on a different character in the DC universe, having his own little adventure. I think this is the first time I've seen the Reach mentioned since 2012, when Blue Beetle was like battling outer space aliens on some part of game world type thing, you know? Maybe it came in a little bit later afterwards in one of the Green Lantern series, but I mean, like, I mean, we haven't even had a Green Lantern series to speak of that was doing broad things apart from just dealing with legacy Green Lantern characters. So this is just encouraging to me that we're seeing some of these peripheral characters having a fun time. And that's what I'm here for. And the other interesting thing is it mentions the gap year, which kind of implies that Jamie Reyes and his cast of characters have finally moved on from high school. So we've got a slightly older character here and maybe opening up some different story potential. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time page 26. And this one really does have me excited, even though I try actively to avoid anything Tom King most of the time, just because he got into a rut there with the type of stories he was telling. But this really does have my interest because it's the um, Danger Street miniseries that was promised, feels like probably almost a year ago was supposed to come out. At least back around the beginning of the year, this was being advertised. And 
I guess, put on the back burner maybe while the art was being worked on or while he got other series worked on. But it's Tom King writing an art by Jorge Fornes, another one of his 12-issue miniseries here, for $4.99, unfortunately. But it is a 40-page book, and this is basically Tom King and Jorge Fornes telling a story with all of the characters that were in first-issue special back in the day. I believe that started in the 70s. And so you had characters like Dr. Fate or Metamorpho, Warlord, it was the, what, the Dingbats of Danger Street, I think, had one. Anyway, several of those types of characters, maybe it was their only appearance, or maybe they eventually spun off into their on, own ongoing series. The Lady Cop was one of the, the stories. And so all of those are kind of tossed together here in this world. And the story is just built around that. So if if you have kind of like a nostalgic connection to those, or just want to see kind of like some of the one-off characters from DCU's history, or DC's history, goodness, this would be good. And the art looks fantastic. They've got several pages of preview art here on the next page. And there's probably going to be some meta stuff going on or whatever with it all. But Jorge Fornes does just a fantastic job. And I think he and Tom King really get along well together. So it's going to look great. Check it out. Hopefully. Finally, actually coming out in December 2022. This is Nick with another pick from the DC uh, Connect catalog, this time from page 30. It is their kind of semi-annual or quarterly 100-page book. This is dedicated to the 100th birthday for Stan the Man Lee. It is Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stan Lee. Uh, one shot at 96 pages for $9.99 with a whole host of writers, including Michael Uslan, who most famously is connected to the the Batman movies as a producer, and then a whole host of artists, including all kinds of great names. But the main draw here is it's probably going to be, you know, maybe eight new stories featuring the characters that Stan Lee had done in his I think it was called, like, Just Imagine Stan Lee, and it would be Batman, The Flash, whatever. I've never read any of those stories, because it's kind of from a time that I'm just not interested in in comics. But it was, you know, what if Batman was actually a bat? Or what if The Flash had certain things, you know, like using the powers caused them to, to suffer, or, you know, things like that. So it's kind of a, what you might think of as sort of a Marvel take of powers coming with curses kind of a thing for all of the different DC characters, sort of a reimagining type thing. And so it'll be interesting just to see what kind of things they come up with those characters. But it says here in the solicitation that over 20 years ago, Stan Lee reimagined the entire DC universe. Criminal turned nocturnal warrior for justice, a champion from the Brazilian Amazon, an intergalactic lawman, and more sprang to existence from Stan's mind with the help of Michael Uslan. To celebrate the legendary comic book icon's 100th birthday, dive into 10 new adventures. Ah, there you go, 10. New adventures featuring his version of the DC Universe. Batman faces down a villainous new threat. The Choker. Green Lantern digs deep when Necron arrives to consume the World Tree. The Justice League teams up with a familiar face in order to save the day. Shazam ventures into a top-secret facility to face off against a mind-blowing and brain-burgling enemy. 
The Flash uses her time-bending speed abilities to attempt to reverse the tragedies of her past, but may rob herself of her powers in the process. Chaos ensues when Wonder Woman becomes the editor of The National Exposer. So check it out on sale December 27th, 2022. My next pick is also on page 30 of the DC Connect catalog, and it is... Tales from Earth 6, A Celebration of Stanley, number one. Now, if you haven't read the Just Imagine stuff from, geez, 20 years ago now, it's amazing how time flies. Stanley took the names of the iconic DC characters, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, Robin, Shazam, Aquaman, Catwoman, and Sandman. You can argue how iconic like Sandman is, but anyways, in the Justice League and stuff, and reimagined them in his style and such. That's not to say as if these were Marvel characters, because he was doing it around the turn of the century and stuff versus the 1960s when he co-created a lot of the Marvel stuff. But it's a ton of fun, it's an interesting look at it, and I really do appreciate DC calling out one of the founding fathers of their main competitor and stuff for his 100th birthday, or what would have been his 100th birthday and such. It's a classy move, it should be a lot of fun, I'm looking forward to the one-shot. And, I don't know, maybe it's it's worth doing a back-issue spotlight or three or four on the Just Imagine stuff. Let me know what you guys think on that. It'd be interesting to do, and it's been forever since I've read those, so I read them when they came out. But taking a closer look at what they're riffing on here for the Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stanley number one. Brawlinator again, and I'm still in the DC Connect on page 38, and I am looking at Aquaman, 80 Years of the King of the Seven Seas Deluxe Edition. DC is celebrating the 80-year history of the King of the Seven Seas, and this contains classic and modern tales such as Aquaman Joins the Navy, The Legend of Aquaman, and The Trench, plus some historical commentary from former Aquaman writers and editors, including Paul Cooperberg, Robert Greenberger, Paul Levitz, and many more. In this edition, uh, DC is touting it as the perfect companion piece to the upcoming motion picture, The Lost Kingdom. Uh, Now, this is a hardcover, and I would say this is probably a a must-have for any Aquaman fan that's listening. It includes many of Aquaman's most memorable appearances, uh, starting with his 1940s debut from the pages of More Fun Comics number 73 to more recent classics, as I mentioned, including Jeff Johns. And it collects stories from Aquaman 0 through 37, JLA Worlds at War number 1, Aquaman 17, Outsiders, Five of a Kind, Metamorpho Aquaman number 1, uh, several adventure comics, and, and uh, Aquaman 11 through 35, 46 to 62, a couple of Aquaman number 1s, number 1 specials, number 25. Listen, it's 440 pages. It's only twenty nine ninety nine, and that's before any discount you might get from Cowabunga Comics or your favorite local shop. Again, it's over on page 38. It's Aquaman, 80 Years of the King of the Seven Seas Deluxe Edition. Billy Hogan again. My final DC pick is on page 43 with Fables number 158 the eighth issue of a 12-issue miniseries, written by Bill Willingham, with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloja. The cover is done by Christina Kalida, which is the one I'll be getting, with a variant cover by Mark Buckingham. The regular price is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant cover is $4.99, and it's scheduled to be on sale December 20th. 
A chance encounter between the wolf children and Pan escalates into a battle of sky-high proportions that'll leave one of them beaten and bruised. But a far worse fate has fallen on the inhabitants of the Black Forest, casting a shadow of death and destruction that will shake Bigby and Sam to their core. This miniseries picks up where the original Fable series left off and is just as good. So if you enjoyed the original Fables series, I would highly recommend that you pick up this sequel miniseries. Hey, this is James, and I'm in the Marvel Supplemental, and on page number one, there's an important issue that's coming out, and it could be semi-important. John, I, if I'm not mistaken, John called this out or read it and really enjoyed it. When Jed McKay wrote a a Timeless, or anyways, it wasn't called Timeless. This is Timeless number one, number 2022, but it was a one-shot that happened about a year ago. This is written by Jed McKay and the artist Salvador La Roca, Greg Land, and Patch Zercher. But what happened was it was a Kane the Conqueror story. And Kane, you know, something happens, there's a story, he goes through time. But you get glimpses of what is to come in the Marvel Universe. And that's what they're doing. And apparently they're going to be doing this every time. I think it's going to coincide with probably the new TV show that's going to be coming out on Disney Plus or the second season. So I bet you this is going to coincide with that. And it's also going to give us a preview of maybe some events, maybe some things that are going to happen that we can look forward to with Marvel Comics coming out. So I think it's kind of cool when they do like a little preview type comic. And they used to do it in these point one issues that would come out at the end of the year where they'd say Marvel point one and it would just come out and almost like a 80 page catalog and just give you little previews of comics that are coming out for the year. And I really thought that was kind of a cool concept. And what they've done is they pivoted to where now they do these Kang stories where Kang is seeing into the future and you get to see, once again, Marvel stories that are coming out. So if you like that concept, you might want to pick it up. It is a one-shot. It is $6. But the reason why it's 56 pages is a story. So I'm definitely going to pick it up. The first one was really good. And like I said, I think John enjoyed it too, but I don't want to put words in his mouth. So anyways, on to my next pick. My next pick is on page 7 of the Marvel previews. It is Mary Jane and Black Cat, number 1 of 5. This is another miniseries written by Jed McKay, kind of continuing the adventures of Black Cat. Currently, that's happening over in Iron Cat. Previously, that was in an actual Black Cat series. After this, who knows what'll be next. This is connected to the Dark Web crossover thing, which I'm not really looking for another crossover thing, but whatever. Jed McKay is doing a great job having issues that are satisfying as single issues, building to a larger narrative in terms of the miniseries or series they're part of, and often those things build into a larger thing of a string of miniseries and series, etc. So I think pacing-wise, story-wise, uh, Jed McKay is doing some great stuff. So I'm looking forward to this. Curious what twists they're going to do with both Mary Jane and Black Cat here, because there's a a thing in the solicit of something has changed with MJ. She's not the only one keeping secrets. Felicia's got a guilty conscience and is playing havoc with their escape plan or whatnot. And it's like, okay, so we got to add some mystery, some intrigue, whatever. It should be fun, should be cool. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it and I recommend it. So once again, that's Mary Jane and Black Cat number one of five on page seven of the Marvel previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel Supplemental, and I'm over on page 14. And it's Invincible Iron Man number one, written by Jerry Dugan, 
Art is Juan Fregari. I'm butchering it, I'm sure. The reason why I'm picking or calling this one out or, or pointing to it is the last creative team, the story just drug on and on. It was brutally slow. I literally canceled Iron Man right at the very end <laughs> because it, it just wasn't going anywhere. And so they took the writer off and we are getting Jerry Dugan, who can, when he's on, he can be very good. So I'm hoping that he's on with this book. So I'm definitely going to jump on and see his take on Iron Man because I would like to read a good Iron Man comic. And it says it all ends. Tony Stark, the genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, has lost all his wealth. And eh, so did Batman. So anyways, everyone's losing their wealth. His fame, his friends. But Stark doesn't realize he still has so much more to lose, especially when the assassins start to come for him. It's the beginning of the end as the Golden Avenger must fight for his life and find out what it really means to hit rock bottom. Join Jerry Dugan from the X-Men. He did a good job on X-Men. And Ron Fregari from Avengers as they take Iron Man to the darkest corners of the Marvel Universe yet. Eh, let's hope those corners aren't too dark or I won't be reading it very long. But I am on board to see what Jerry does because, he, when, like I said, when he is at his best, he writes a good comic. So I'm hoping for good things. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with a Marvel pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one. Break time is over for Miles as he gets a new number one and a new creative team. Writer Cody Ziegler is taking the reins. Ziegler was part of the Amazing Spider-Man Beyond Brain Trust. And I understand he's written for some MCU shows. The artwork is being provided by Federico Villincenti. Villincenti worked on a three-part Miles Morales Spider-Man King and Black miniseries. I think Villincenti's artwork is from that Ryan Stegman, Capullo, McFarlane, I could see a little bit of Eric Larson in there as well. It's a bit scratchy. I think it really works. A lot of kinetic energy and movement. Miles Morales is a young character. So obviously having an artist who can depict fast motions, speed lines, and so forth really well will be a good fit. This volume of Miles Morales, Spider-Man, is supposed to be somewhat of a reset. Cody Ziegler has done an interview. If memory serves, it was in The Root. He talked about wanting more street-level threats, which makes sense given that a, the bulk of Solomon Ahmed's run was dealing with cosmic and multiversal threats. A new writer will come in and do something a bit more grounded. Now, I am hoping that Ziggler will continue the character beats and the character threads that Saladin Ahmed developed over the course of his run. I think for the first year and a half, Miles Morales's friends at, sc at school were an important part of the series, but as things progressed, it kind of fell off the radar. Hopefully, we will continue with the familiar threads and so forth that were developed in the previous run as well. 
There was a whole lot of things going on with the Morales family that I thought was really interesting based on the cover for Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one. The creative team is taking an opportunity to reset Miles' look. I think there is something about the classic Miles Morales look that's really important to have in the limelight, especially when there is a new animated film on the horizon. I'm really hoping that the baton will be handed off to Cody Ziegler and company in a very smooth way. And this new creative team keeps the momentum going because I think there's so many more stories to tell about Miles Morales in the 616 universe. Miles Morales Spider-Man number one can be found on page 16 of the Marvel Previews catalog. This first issue is 40 pages and costs $4.99. Billy Hogan again. My first pick in the Marvel's previews is on page 21 with Miracle Man, Silver Age number 3, written by Neil Gaiman, with art and main cover by Mark Buckingham, which is the one I'll be getting. Cover B is by David Aja, and cover C by Scotty Young. Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham present the first all-new chapter in the Silver Age. High atop the Himalayas, Dickie Dauntless searches to find his place in the Age of Miracles. He'll make new friends and encounter a frightening, familiar face, Johnny Bates. It's Young Miracle Man and Kid Miracle Man, face-to-face. This series is rated mature and is scheduled to be in shops on December 28th, for the cover price of four ninety nine. While I've heard about Miracle Man and his convoluted history, I've never read any stories before, so I'm looking forward to picking up this series. Billy Hogan again. My next Marvel pick is on page 26 with Fantastic Four number 2, written by Ryan North, with art by Ivan Coelho, Cover A is by Alex Ross, as well as cover B. Cover C is by Peach Momoko, and cover D is by Chrissy Zulo. Whatever happened to the Fantastic Four? Reed and Sue are on the run from, well, a lot of things, actually. Things are not going great for the Fantastic Four, but they find themselves in even more trouble when they stop in a small town with a terrible secret. That terrible secret is revealed literally on the second page of this issue, and Reed and Sue spend the rest of the issue trying to survive it. But stop reading here if you don't want it spoiled. Yep, it's Reed and Sue versus a town full of killer doom bots, rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on December 7th for the cover price of $3.99. The FF have always been my favorite Marvel title, And I'm glad I returned to the series. And I'm looking forward to this new creative team and what they have for us. Billy Hogan again. My final Marvel pick is on page 62 with Damage Control number 5. The final issue of this miniseries. Written by Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodanoff. With art by Nathan Stockman and... The cover is by Patrick Zercher. This is it. This is Gus's absolute last, last chance to find a place to fit in at Damage Control. 
Unfortunately, the only remaining department that will have him is the deep storage vault, where he is tasked with cataloging the contents of all the endless rows of crates and containers. Seems like it should be fairly low risk. However, this is Gus we're talking about, and before the day is over, there will be a massive morass of mechanical mayhem perpetrated by Machine Man, Jacosta, Sentry 459, Tess-1, and Sentinels galore. Hans Rodanoff and Adam F. Goldberg continue to churn out hilarious word combinations, and Nathan Stockman serves up visual punchlines that will delight and entertain you as we conclude Gus's epic journey through damage control, rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on December 7th for the cover price of $3.99. I enjoyed the two original damage control miniseries way back in, I think it was the 90s? And I got the first issue of this miniseries and my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service, but I'm a little bit behind in my comic book reading, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm confident I'll enjoy it just as much as the first two Damage Control miniseries. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And I like omnibus editions, and I'm back here in the back of the Marvel Supplemental on page 77, where it is Superior Spider-Man Omnibus, Volume 1 hardcover. This is written by Dan Slott, Christos Gage, and more, and I just, Dan Slott was a great writer on it. And it's penciled by a whole slew of people, I'm not going to read all these guys, but anyways, a, a slew of good artists. They usually put decent artists on Spider-Man. Now, if you guys don't... Re- oh, by the way, it's $125 for 960 pages, but you can get 46% off by talking to Eric from Deep Discount Comics. And if you don't know about Superior Spider-Man, I hope this isn't too spoilery, but Doc Ock, something happens. He doesn't make it out, but he kind of survives inside of Peter's mind. Basically, Doc Ock takes over Peter's body and is Peter Parker for... It was about a 30-some-odd issue run. Yeah, here it is, 1 through 31. And they give you issues 698 through 700 building up to what happened here, so you know what's going on with Doc Ock. But then issues 1 through 31 was the Superior Spider-Man before Doc Ock, of course, reverted back to the Doc Ock we know and what happens there. But this was a good series. A lot of people uh, found parts of it creepy because, you know, when someone is in somebody else's body, almost like a mind control, you know, and you have a loved one and you're kind of being lovey-dovey with them, it gets kind of icky there when you think about it. <laughs> so what, some of the things uh, that you see and the way Spider-Man acted completely differently, Dan Slott had a fantastic run on Spider-Man and he was on there for a very long time. I enjoyed almost everything he wrote. I thought it was terrific and this was very good. I think if you haven't read it, you may enjoy it. Who knows? You, you may be be sensitive and not like it but i thought it was a fantastic story i would get it in a heartbeat and i am going to get it because i liked it so much so on to my next pick hey this is james back with my final pick in the marvel supplemental and this one kind of got me excited it's over on page 78 and it is hulk maestro by peter david the omnibus where it's collecting all the miniseries plus the stuff on the original run that Peter David did. If you don't know, in the future, David Banner, uh, he become you know he becomes the Hulk. The Hulk becomes the Maestro. He becomes this evil, all powerful, super strong guy who 
in this dystopian future kind of takes out everyone, and he is the ultimate ruler of the planet Earth, <laughs> or what is re- left of it after a nuclear annihilation. But it's this is collecting Hulk Future Imperfect 1 through 2, Incredible Hulk 460 through 461, Captain Marvel 27 through 30, Spider-Man 2099 9 through 10, Future Imperfect 1 through 5, Maestro 1 through 5. This was the miniseries, the, the recent miniseries. Maestro War and Pax 1 through 5, Maestro World War M 1 through 5, and uh, Exiles number 79 through 80, Abomination one, Abominations 1 through 3, and Material from Hulk Broken Worlds number 1 and Secret Wars Battle World number 4. So a lot of stuff, but that all comes up to 952 pages of Peter David writing the Hulk, which is always fantastic, and I like the Maestro. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I like this creation that Peter David did and the direction he took him at having this really evil character. It was it was just a lot of fun. So $125.952 pages. Get it for 46% off over at Deep Discount Comics. I'm excited for this one. And I'm I'm curious if John's gonna pick it up because he was really enjoying the miniseries, but I don't I don't know if he likes the big books, but just care if he if, curious if he would pick it up. Who knows? On to my next pick. Hey, this is James with a pick from the main previews catalog, and these are comics that are coming out, I guess, in December, because it's October catalog. And the first thing that caught my eye in the image section was on page 47. It is Nightclub number one of six. It is a new series by Mark Millar. Some people say Mark Miller. I don't know how you say his name, honestly. Is it Millar? Miller? Who knows? And the artist on this is Juanan Ramirez. So this one is something different. It's Kick A meets Cirque du Freak. I don't know what Cirque du Freak is, but I know the first comic is. And it's the premise of this, and this will, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a Netflix series, because I'm sure they're going to have a Netflix logos on the back of this. You're 17 years old, and you've been bitten by a vampire. Do you live in the shadows and drink human blood, or do you use your newfound gifts for the dream costume superhero life you've always wanted? You're bulletproof, you can crawl up walls, and you can turn to mist, bats, or even a wolf. Why not have a little fun? Now, the, the thing that I really thought was nice about the series, it starts off, it's only $1.99. With the discount I'm getting from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics, it's going to be $1.99. So for $0.99 cents a dollar, you can't help but try this a new Mark Millar series that's probably going to end up on Netflix. It sounds like it could be fun. On to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with an image pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Nightclub, number one of six. Mark Millar is dishing out another six-issue miniseries, this time focused on teenage vampires who suddenly want to become superheroes because they have nothing else to do. It certainly sounds like a novel idea, and weirdly, I... We've gotten this idea before Chip Zdarsky has a superhero vampire mashup book coming out through Dark Horse that was a comicsology original, if I remember correctly. Really curious to see how Mark Millar's take on the mashup of these concepts work. The art is being provided by Juwanen. Ramirez Ramirez is currently working on a Marvel comic series uh Genus Vel 
Captain Marvel, which is written by Peter David, starring Rick Jones and the son of Captain Marvel. I've seen some of the artwork for, for that miniseries, and it looks really good. I'm hoping that we'll get something solid out of Ramirez for the for the nightclub series, if not, you know, a notch or two above what he's currently doing. I think Mark Millar really has a knack for pushing his artists to produce their best artwork. I think that he also has a keen eye of really either A, spotting new talent or really working with current talent to, again, as I said previously, enhance their craft. One of the big selling points for this series has nothing to do with the content inside the page, but rather the price point. According to the solicitation, this six-issue series will be $1.99. That's right, $1.99. So to me, that signals that a lower barrier to entry and that I'm willing to take a chance on a unknown property by at least a creator or rather one of the creators that I am intimately familiar with due to the body of the work they've produced over the years. I have a feeling Nightclub will probably be developed into a some sort of Netflix series, or at least Millar will pitch it to Netflix as something to develop. Nightclub, number one of six, can be found on page 47 of the previews catalog and costs $1.99. Billy Hogan again. My only pick in the Image Comics section of previews is on page 70 with Junkyard Joe number 3, written by Jeff Johns with art and main cover by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, and this is the one I'll be getting. Cover B is by J.G. Jones, cover C by Peter Snedgeberg, cover D by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. The tales of bad ghosts unnamed continue as the strange robot soldier named Joe further inserts himself into Muddy Davis' retirement life. But the oddness of Joe's presence has caught the attention of Muddy's new neighbors, which spells danger for everyone involved. Deadly forces conspire to reclaim Joe, and nothing, and no one, will get in their way. Scheduled to be in shops on December 21st for the cover price of $3.99. Junkyard Joe was one of the more unusual characters from the Geiger series, and I couldn't resist picking up the first issue, which I think will be coming in my next shipment from Discount Comic Book Service. So I'm looking forward to reading The Further Adventures of Junkyard Joe. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this one's in the boom section over on page 88, where there's a gem of the month called Know Your Station, number one of five. So it's a five-issue miniseries. I'm not familiar with the writer. Writer, It is Sarah Gailey from Eat the Rich. So apparently she has something against rich people because you'll, you'll see when I get to the premise of this book. And illustrated by Liana Kangas, who did the art on Truth. I can't even say what the name of that book is. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know her either. But the, the, the cover art didn't look bad. And she is doing the main cover art. So I, I'm hoping it's good interior. The premise sounded clever. It says... Death is the great leveler even for the 1%, a new original series. 
It says the wealthiest people in the solar system abandoned the Earth for a private sanctuary in space. Have we not seen wealthy people talking about going to Mars? Hint, hint. Leaving the rest of us to die amidst the cataclysmic climate change. Yeah, it sounds like probably something that could likely happen. But the 1% won't be safe for long. A murderer is on the loose, specifically targeting the super rich. Soon Elise, an employee of the billionaire space station, is wrapped up in a deadly investigation with each issue featuring a new diabolically different kill. So it sounds like it could be clever. It's a, it's a murder mystery in space, but it's wealthy people who I guess are left the rest of us behind. But it sounds like it could be clever. I'm not completely sold on it, but it caught my eye. It piqued my interest. I don't know anything by this person. So it may be something that I take a swing for the fences, but it's not a guarantee. So if it sounds like something you enjoy, that's over on page 88. On to my next pick. My next pick is on page 98 of the Diamond Previews. It is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number one of five, which is a bit of a mouthful. But if you look at how it's put in the uh, the consumer order form, it's M-M-P-R-T-M-N-T-I-I-1, which is much shorter, although harder to pronounce. Anyways, as you can imagine from the title or even the abbreviation, we've got the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers teaming up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. We've got Ryan Parrott, who's been writing Power Ranger stuff for a while. We've got Dan Mora, who's done the art for it for a while, though he's currently been doing some other stuff, such as some issues of the Batman Superman World's Finest over at DC. I'm looking forward to it. I really like Dan Mora's art, particularly on Power Rangers. Them teaming up with the Turtles, I think, is just a ton of fun. Not surprised they're getting a, a second miniseries on this kind of stuff. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if we get a third. A little surprised we're getting... The Green Ranger and kind of the early, it looks like, Mighty Morphin. Because I almost would have done this as like a yearly crossover leading up to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles guest starring in the Power Rangers in Space series for an episode or two. And that was back when Saban was doing a live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Once again, that's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number 1 of five on page 98 of the previews catalog. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from the Dark Horse section, page 152. I'm looking at Nexus Nefarious hardcover from Mike Barron and artist Richard Bonk. I'm not familiar with his work here, but I guess you get a little bit of it on the cover. This is, of course, a hardcover, 64 pages, Standard comic size, $17.99, being solicited a little early. It's on sale February 8th, but the main highlight here is this is Nexus returning with a new graphic novel, and it says in the solicitation, Nexus hits an object in space, sending him crashing into the nearest planet. To make matters worse, planet serves as a prison to a nearby world. With the wrong sun in the sky, Nexus is unable to use his powers so he'll have to rely on his intelligence and survival skills if he wants to escape and see his family again. I'm always curious to see whatever is going on with Nexus, whether it's from Mike Barron or Steve Rude. Just was kind of a fun, unique series back in the day, and I do appreciate seeing what they have coming up next. 
On page 152 of previews, I'm in the dark horse section, and this is something from a few friends of mine. It's Nexus Nefarious, a new hardcover one-shot featuring Mike Barron's Nexus with art by Richard Bonk, the best last name in comics, Bonk. I mean, it sounds like a word balloon. And colorist Ixan Ansori in this story... Nexus hits an object in space, sending him crashing into the nearest planet, and to make matters worse, the planet serves as a prison to a nearby world. With the wrong sun in the sky, Nexus is unable to use his powers, so he will have to rely on his intelligence and survival skills if he wants to escape and see his family again. Now this, of course, as many of you know, is the character that earned Mike Barron not one, but two Eisner Awards, and I can tell you that any fan of Nexus is absolutely going to love this. It's from Dark Horse, who always handles Nexus right. Richard Bonk is a phenomenal artist, so if you're a fan, you really ought to check this out. It's on page 152 of Previews. Nexus Nefarious, coming out in December. This is Nick with a pick from the main Previews catalog, this time from page 187. It's the Peter Cannon Thunderbolt number two. And again, I wish I had submitted a clip last month for the first issue here, but I'll catch up with number two. I really appreciated the series that was done maybe like 2013 or 2014, kind of just a straightforward take on him. There was that more recent series where it was looking at how Ozymandias from The Watchmen was based on Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. So it was a Peter Cannon based on an Ozymandias based on a Peter Cannon, and it was kind of it was strange, but this looks like it's a return to form for just, uh, you know, good old brawler, punching people in the face, solving things by being smart type Peter Cannon Thunderbolt series. It's uh, 32 pages, $3.99, written by Fred Van Lenti. Artist is Jonathan Lau, and not being hyped up with very many covers, so hopefully Dynamite lets this one go a little, but just basically variants on the same cover, so who knows says in the solicitation, Peter Cannon comes face to face with Peter Cannon? Who's this weirdo cult leader spouting nonsense about spirituality and obedience? It's time for the real Peter Cannon to break out the mind cloud, the invisible dog, and the destroyer of death. It's a rumble royale, courtesy of writer Fred Van Lunty and artisan Jonathan Lau. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in this month's previews is on page 258 from Abstract Studios with Parker Girls number 4. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. Cherry Hammer and Becky use strong-arm tactics to learn the killer of Piper May is an accountant at the May Company. Meanwhile, Kelly discreetly removes all obstacles to meet and charm Zachary May at a party. Watch this masterful Parker girl at work in an issue too hot to handle. Don't miss a single issue of this action-packed new series from the creator of Strangers in Paradise. Scheduled to be in shops on December 14th for the cover price of $3.99. If you or someone you know have no interest whatsoever in superhero comic books, then I would recommend anything by Terry Moore especially Parker Girls, which I got the first issue of in my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service. He creates stories involving real people, although he can work in science fiction or horror genres. He's excellent at character development and 
how to pace a comic book story, and each issue is a very satisfying read. So I would recommend you pick up the Parker Girls series. Thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. And I want to thank everyone else for sending in their clips. And I look forward to hearing about what everyone else will be reading from this month's previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and I'm in the back half of the previews catalog where I'm over in the AWA section where I'm looking at the Resistance Universe, The Origins. This is by J. Michael Straczynski. Yes, he created the Resistance Universe at AWA. Kari Andrews, he did write the Spider-Man equivalent. Greg Hurwitz, who's done some books there, and Michael Morecci. The illustrators are Mike Diodato, Mike Choi, Kari Andrews, Mark Texaria, I'm butchering these, Alessandro Vitti, C.P. Smith. Okay, Resistance, there's a virus that took off around the planet. It wiped out millions, hundreds of millions. People that survived develop somewhat of an immunity. Some people develop powers. So this is the origin of superpowers. Then there's people who are left behind looking at the people with the powers. There's a struggle, almost like the mutants with the X-Men books over at Marvel, where a lot of people are very judgmental or not trusting a, you know, of these, these people. Not all of them are superheroes. Just because you have powers doesn't mean you're going to do good stuff. So it's a more realistic X-Men. X-Men world is the way I describe the Resistance universe. Well, we've been reading all these little miniseries, John and I. John, we've enjoyed some more than the other. This, I think, will pique John's interest because John's into universes. He, he, he read, called out a history of uh, dead universes in one of his previous spotlight clips in the past. But it says, in the March of 2020, amid the COVID-19 lockdowns, that's true. The first two issues, I think the first issue came out right before the last shipment from Diamond. It was insane. Talking about a pandemic. It's crazy. AWA launched a bold new universe for the 21st century with J. Michael Straczynski and Mike Diodato Jr.'s The Resistance, in which Reborns gain incredible powers in the wake of a global pandemic. Other creators followed with series such as Erratic, Knighted, and The Joneses. Now, for the first time, we are collecting each of the initial chapters in this supersized collection. Gosh darn. This is not really... I, I should have read this before I did the clip. I just saw the Resistance Universe Origins and I got super excited. I thought they were going to like tie these all in together and say this is the kickoff. No, it's an entry point for new readers. <laughs> so the entry point for new readers is going to give you the first issues of The Resistance Volume 1 through 6. The Resistance Reborns. The Resistance Uprising number 1. Erratic number 1. Moths number 1. Night in number 1. The Joneses number 1. Erratic Recharge, number one. These are all terrific. It's 368 pages of materials. At first, when I saw this, I was like, this has got to be a source book. And I put my little star, and I didn't go through and read the details before I started recording. Because I'm not as organized as John. But you're going to get 368 pages for $19.99. If you have not been reading this material, please pick this up. This was all fantastic stuff. This is a world that I could see coming to a TV series or something like that at Netflix. I really could see them doing something like that. It would be really cool. This is your chance to jump on. It's cool material. I love it. On to my next pick. Brawlinator again. And for my next selection from previews, I'm on page 302 and I'm talking about another book. I've already had a chance to preview. This is Billy Tucci's She Omnibus. It's the series that literally changed the face of comics and launched the bad girl revolution in the mid-90s. 
This collection is a premier formatted 488-page hardcover that introduces the story of Anna Ishikawa, a young woman born of two cultures and drafted into a shadow war that has existed for over 500 years. Now, this is a complete omnibus. It collects all 12 issues of She, Way of the Warrior, the three-part interlacing Tomo miniseries, and the 48-page She versus Tomo. Now, this was originally brought to you by legendary creators Billy Tucci, Peter Gutierrez, Barry Orkin, Michael Baer, Gary Cohn, Dan Mishkin, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, and more. Crusade Comics is the one that's distributing this. They've spared no expense in this incredible collection. I actually pre-ordered this last year from Indiegogo. It was crowdfunded to see if they could raise the funds to create the hardcovers. And every story page has been digitally remastered from the original comic book pages. It's also chock full of extra content. It looks and is great. This is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the classic uh, She that ran from 1994 to 1996. It's just a great book. I will say it's a bit taller, just slightly taller than most of my hardcover Omni collections. So if you're, you get hung up on that on the shelf, that's probably the only drawback. It is a fantastic book, fantastic collected edition, beautiful texture and feel to the paper. This is definitely one worth owning. Billy Tucci's She Omnibus hardcover on page 302 in previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and I'm on page 325 in the Humanoids section, where they have Milo Minara's Pandora's Eyes. It is a noir action thriller, 64-page hardcover. It's for mature audiences for $25. It says an edge-of-your-seat thriller spiced with Milo Minara's gorgeous erotic sensibility. By the way, Milo Minara is a fantastic erotic artist and writer. So if you are into that stuff, you're going to like this. It says, Pandora is a beautiful young woman living with her adoptive parents. Out of the blue, she learns that her real father might be a terrible mob boss, wanted by the international authorities. When she is kidnapped and taken to Turkey, she is forced to confront her dangerous origins and investigate the motives of the people closest to her. So anyways, sounds like it could be interesting. I love Manara just for his art. I think he's a beautiful artist. They give two pages of interior art. And especially Minara when he's drawing women, he, he just draws really beautiful women. So if you are a Minara fan, if you are a European comic fan, this is something you want to pick up on page 325. On to my next pick. And my next pick is on page 331 of the Diamond Previews. It is Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma number one. This is almost certainly a miniseries. And what's interesting is not only is it a Strange New Worlds miniseries, but it's one that's going to kind of bridge the gap between the first and second seasons. So they ended on a little bit of a a cliffhanger with the first officer, Una, and this has Pike setting out for information he needs, presumably leading into the second season when they actually deal with what's going on with Una. I've really been enjoying Strange New Worlds. I'm hoping that this miniseries is... One, a really good take on on Strange New Worlds, but also something that feels in continuity when we do get that second season of Strange New Worlds. Now, my understanding is they've already written and shot it, so if that's the case, this creative team should have had everything they needed and hopefully worked with people on the production crew to make sure it, it is an organic part of the overall narrative. Even if it's not, it should be a lot of fun. I really like what IDW's been doing with the Star Trek stuff. 
for, well, 400 plus issues now. So, I mean, they've got a great track record. And like I said, I'm really enjoying it. So once again, that's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma, number one on page 331 of the previews catalog. Hey, this is James back with my final pick, and this is on page 416 in the manga section, or manga section, whichever you prefer. I see two books on page 416. I'm getting Fist of the North Star, Volume 7. It's a fight manga. I've been enjoying that. Alice in Borderland, Volume 4. This is my favorite manga series. That and Attack on Titan are probably my two favorites, and I'm just addicted to the series. The story and art is by Hero Aso. ASO? I don't know how you pronounce that. This is... Just so you know, it's a bigger manga. So it is 336 pages for tw- or for 19.99, so 20 bucks. But you get 40% off from Eric over Deep Discount Comics. So you get a nice big discount, like 12 bucks for 336 pages, which is a steal. There is a world and a thing that's built out. My sister, I have loaned her my books. She loves this manga. She's never read a manga or a comic before. She loves this one. So we're both reading this together. Every time I get a volume and I read it, I hand it to her. She reads it. She gobbles it up. And Alice in Borderland, basically, these kids go to a world. They're whisked away. I'm not going to tell you how. But it's, it becomes almost a survival horror, but not as horrific and brutal as one may think. It's not real graphic as far as that goes. But people do die, but they're put into games. So in this world, to stay alive you have to compete in contest. And so you show up in the world and they might have a they have a deck of cards and you're trying to collect all of the playing cards so that you can escape this world. So you get ace through king of hearts, spades, you know clubs, diamonds, all the different cards. Each one of the cards means a different type of challenge. One might be a physical challenge, one might be a mental challenge this and that. So whatever the challenges are, I can't, I honestly, from the life of me, I can't remember off the top of my head. And so people start forming collectives to team up with people and collect cards. The closest thing I can equate this to is Squid Game, where people kind of team up into teams and there are deadly games. So, you know, during one of the games, just to give you an example, there's four train cars and this might be a three of spades game. And with the train cars, one of them is filled with poisonous gas and you're given a gas mask with three canisters of air. You can use them at any time you want, and you do not know which one has the poisonous gas on it. So do you hook it up? Right now I'm doing odds. I'm thinking, okay, there's a 25% chance that this first car does not have deadly gas on it. But at the same time, does the creator of the game know that, and will you use up your air right away? So the participant hooks up the air, goes in, okay, there's no gas, but now he's used up one of his canisters. Now he has two and there's three cars. He doesn't know which one has the gas. So now it's a 33% chance the next one has it. So you're doing math and you're kind of calculating and you're doing the challenge with the people as they go. And it's it becomes nerve-wracking. It's stressful. It's very intense. Like I said, Squid Game. The one thing I will tell you about this that is also very nice is Netflix created a live action series, not a cartoon, not an anime, but a live action. Season one has come out, which takes you very far into the manga series. Season two is coming out shortly, I think in December. So you can watch it and see if that's something you like before you pick up the manga books. But it is fantastic. I can't recommend this book enough. I really just thoroughly enjoy it. That's going to be my last pick. I want to thank everyone for participating. It seems like we had less people participating recently, which makes me a little bit sad. You know, just a minute, just record one clip. You don't have to do eight or 10 like me. 
just record a clip on one thing you guys like. I w- I'd love to just hear your voices. Just the, like with me, I do it every month regardless. My dad's been in the hospital recently. He's recovering. My While my dad's in the hospital still, my mom had a flood at her house from the hurricane Ian that happened. And so she's been living with me temporarily and I've been helping her and working with that plus all the stuff that I've been doing at my office. And yet I can still find time to do some clips. So please, you guys, I, I would appreciate it. More of you guys like it just makes it more fun when you hear more voices and more things that get you interested. And I do appreciate the people who do record clips every single month because that it does take a little bit of time because some of you guys send in four or five. But I would love it instead of having like, you know, five people send in five. I'd love to see 20 people just send in one clip. <laughs> it would be like kind of cool just to hear different voices and different perspectives and different picks, things that you guys really like. So until next month, I'll see you guys on the Slack channel. I really post on the Slack most of the time. And back to you, John. Thanks for everything you do as far as the editing and hosting and everything like that. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Bye. Rollinator again with my last recommendation. Now, this I mentioned Dark Horse Comics' upcoming Nexus title with Richard Bonk and Mike Barron. And now I want to mention another project that I'm collaborating on with those two great creators. It's called Private American. And it's essentially what if the Punisher or Captain America fought the terrorist, drug smugglers, cartels, and human traffickers at the U.S. southern border. Private American tells the story of Marcos Zamora, a Cuban-American who is also a former Green Beret that lives in Texas near the border and whose frustration with the immigrant crisis turns to vigilante violence when the consequences touch his family circle. Like our previous self-published graphic novel, Thin Blue Line, which tackled police corruption and the defund the police movement, Private American tackles a pressing social concern through a very compelling narrative about the dangers of these open borders and the criminals that are exploiting that to smuggle drugs, weapons, and so on. This explosive, groundbreaking tale that's going to increase any reader's empathy for immigrants that are seeking better lives, as well as the shorthanded agents who are under-equipped to preserve national security at the border. One more bonus. Thin Blue Line readers will also notice that Private American fits into the same continuity where the story's main antagonist is also deeply involved in this action thriller. Richard Bonk, who I mentioned earlier, is the artist. It's also got a Kirby-esque cover from the great Steve Rude, plus a lot of surprises for backers. And yes, this is a crowdfund book, but we've already hit the goal, and uh, we go to press when the campaign ends. I hope you'll check it out. It is at the privateamerican.com theprivateamerican.com and that's it for me I just want to say thanks again to John and everyone that helps make the comic book page podcast and the Slack channel possible it's a really great community I encourage others to join I slip in and out on the Slack channel now and again every day or every other day or so I listen to the podcast in the evening as I'm going to bed it's just a wonderful podcast I really appreciate what John has built here for so many years and Appreciate everyone sharing their love of comics or, you know, grousing about it sometimes. I just hope that we can all continue to build on this great community. And I just, again, encourage others to join up with us. I hope everybody has a safe and happy Halloween. And I hope to talk to all of you in November and see you in the Slack channel. I hope everyone found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I found a couple of things that were... Interesting little tidbits, not so much picks to have done recordings on, but things I want to share right now anyways. First off, one of the things I found kind of a little hilarious in the IDW section 
is I don't know if IDW just didn't get the covers to Diamond in time, Diamond didn't have enough time to process them, I, miscommunication, I don't know what happened. But most of the covers, including that Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma number one that I did a clip on, had a placeholder image. It's, you know, a spot for the cover, IDW, Star Trek, cover image, coming soon. This is a print catalog. You can't kind of update it on the fly. Now, sure, that image makes a lot of sense on the Diamond website and such, but I don't know where the disconnect happened for IDW's covers. I mean, they got a few, like the Star Trek Aliens trade paperback and stuff, but there was a surprising number of, of covers just not in previews. And again, don't know what happened there, but kind of kind of bizarre. Almost as bizarre as the checklist in the Marvel catalog at the end of it. If you go to the very back, they've got a, hey, here's what's coming out every week and stuff. And this goes to Marvel or Penguin Random House. Something is, is messing with the schedule of what gets solicited when. Because while this is covering books from October 31st for the next month, we're only getting solicits for a couple of the, the weeks because information for things that go on sale... Well, actually, no, that's the FOC. It's stuff that was going on sale December 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th, but I guess they had room left over because they added what's going to be on sale for January 4th and 11th, but those solicits are in the next previews. Why list things in the checklist if you're not actually soliciting them in this preview? Save them for next. I mean, this is getting confusing. And I've had one or two things where I think I accidentally ordered it twice because it was in two different catalogs. So I think there's some chaos going across the different publishers and distributors and them not syncing up as to something as simple as when a month begins and ends. But this is the great new world we live in of, of multiple distributors and things of that sort. Anyways, I want to thank... Everyone who contributed this month, so thank you, Billy, James, Nicholas, Brawlinator, and Mo. This would have been a much shorter episode without you guys. And even so, it still feels like it was a little bit shorter episode than usual. We've had a few other regulars not be able to submit for a month or two now, and that happens. I totally understand that. I appreciate people sending in clips whenever they can. But I want to remind all you listeners that the previous Spotlight has an open submission policy. Anyone can send in clips, and that includes you. I'd love to get more voices and opinions in these episodes. Sending in a clip is as easy as recording it on your computer or smartphone and just sharing it with me, either via Dropbox, straight through email. If you need another method, let me know. It's really, it, it's not hard to participate. And you don't have to send in a bunch of clips. Sending in a single clip is fine. And I'd love to get more voices, more opinions, more comics covered in these episodes, because this is one of the ways I find out about new comics that I ought to be reading. And there were a couple of picks this time that actually changed my opinion on a few things. And what was ironic is it wasn't even necessarily for the item the clip was for, but it had a little tidbit that made me rethink something on another comic or property or whatnot. So again, this is your chance to support the comics and the creators you love, get your voice out there, be heard. Again, open submission policy, please start taking advantage of that. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when these catalogs ship from the various distributors and whatnot, because, I mean, that's a little chaotic, like I mentioned. You can always check the main page of the comicbookpage.com website for the latest information on the deadline. You can sign up for email reminders if that helps. If there's something else I can do to help make this process easier, let me know. I'm willing to consider it and do what I can, because, again... I think these episodes work best when we've got a lot of people contributing 
and a lot of picks, a lot of voices, a lot of opinions on them. So with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.